That's good Rocky Peak. It's not only good to be with you once again on this weekend, but Happy New Year, Rocky Peak. I hope that the first couple days of 2021 are finding you and yours very, very well. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Dre. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Rocky Peak. And like Kelly said, we are going to jump into our time of teaching. So you're going to want to go ahead and get your note sheets. You want to get your Bibles with a physical digital out and ready. But before we do, I've got a really special announcement, something I'm really excited to be able to share with you. Some of you are aware that recently Los Angeles County, which is the county that our church campus is located in, has recently lifted the restrictions on churches and houses of worship being able to conduct services indoors. And so obviously that's going to lead to some exciting possibilities for Rocky Peak's near future. And so next weekend, Pastor Michael is going to be coming out and he's going to be leading us in a very special message called The Return, in which not only we're going to be going back to the Word and these guiding principles that have guided us throughout this entire pandemic, but he's going to begin to share some plans and some hopes of ours to begin moving in the near future for our weekend services, as well as our other core ministries to begin returning to be able to be meeting indoor as one of the options. So again, I hope you can join us with that starting next week, but if we're, I'm going to go ahead and pray and we're going to jump right into part two of our Clarity mini-series. So go ahead and pray with me. Father, here we are at the start of a new year, a 2021. And I got to be honest, as I look ahead, I don't know what to expect. And I don't think I'm alone in this. But like we got to begin in the dialogue last week, like we get to, get to continue this week, I may not know what ahead, what's ahead, but Jesus, I know you. We know you. The Jesus that broke into time and space, that broke into earth itself to be born in a manger, to live the life that I couldn't live, to eventually die the death that I deserve to die. I know that Jesus. I know his love. I know his power. I know the hope and the strength that he brings. And the same Jesus that conquered sin and the grave and the death, the same Jesus that was resurrected, resurrects me and resurrects us. And so because of that, Jesus, I may not know what's ahead, but when my eyes, when our eyes, when our hearts are fixed on you, we can confidently move forward because Jesus is here in this moment, in the season, in our laughter, in our prayers. And as we continue and we wrap up our Clarity Miniseries, we ask that you open the eyes of our hearts to be able to see that in a new, in a deeper way. As I often pray, Jesus, as the communicator, I pray that I become much, much less. Let me get out of the way and fall to the wayside and let you, Jesus the Christ, our King, become much, much more. And it is in your name, King Jesus, that wherever it is we're watching from, we all said together, Amen. Well, Rocky Peak, much like I did last year at this time, I want to start the very first message of a brand new year by talking about the past. And it's ironic because just like I did last year, I want to go back to the 1960s and I want to talk about the classic original Batman television series back from the 60s. You know what I'm talking about. I might be dating myself a little bit, but I'm talking about the Adam West series. Burt Ward, Julie Newmar, Cesar Romero. It 
was a classic. Now, when I was a kid, I adored this classic Batman series. They used to run reruns of it on Channel 11, uh, on Channel 11 on Saturday mornings, and I would never miss it. And one thing that I loved about the original, the, the 1960s Batman series, is that it was unique in that they would always play it in an hour block, but that hour contained two separate episodes, and they usually followed the same format. The first episode, or what you would call the first half of that story, it would always end with our heroes, Batman and Robin, in some type of calamity, some elaborate death trap that their villains had them in. And the episode is ending with it looking like they're not going to be able to escape this one. And if you know the series, you know that it always ended with that famous narration, will our heroes escape? Tune in next time, same bat time, same bat channel. And then when you would watch the immediate episode that followed it, part two, it always began with their miraculous escape. And almost every time, the reason they escaped was because of Batman's utility belt. He somehow always had exactly the right tool in his belt that he needed to escape that specific death trap or calamity that faced him. In fact, and I'm not even making this up, you can Google it, once he was being attacked by a shark and he busted out a shark repellent. He just happened to have a shark repellent and it saved his life. And the reason why I start talking about this one is to bring a little bit of levity as we start a new year. But secondly, in an emotional way, 2020 felt a lot like the end of that first episode, didn't it? 2020 felt a lot like we were trapped in this calamity and this death trap, if you will. But there was a key difference between Batman and us that try as we may, tool after tool after tool that we employed, that we pulled out of our belts or our tool bags, well, each of them failed in rescuing us. Each of them failed in helping us escape 2020. And now here we are in the first couple days of a brand new year and we're still bringing this calamity into 2021 with us. And because we haven't yet escaped, so to speak, the future, what's ahead seems so unclear. And like we talked about last week, for so many of us, it brings with a nervousness, despair, trepidation. But again, what we began to talk about last week is that while we may not see what's ahead, it is a beautiful opportunity, Rocky Peak, and hear me clearly on this. It is a beautiful opportunity to learn a pivotal truth about Jesus, that clarity, God-given clarity, does not come from what's ahead, but it comes from what's above. And that's really the heart of this series. See, if you're joining us for the first time, we're wrapping up a small two-week mini-series called Clarity, A Renewed Vision for an Uncertain Future. And the heart behind this series is that true clarity, a God-given clarity, is not what we see with our eyes, but it's how we see Jesus with our hearts. And last week I introduced the language of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament that to, uh, for us to experience true clarity, we need the eyes of our hearts to be opened by God, to see more of who Jesus really is, that he is sufficient, that he is present, 
And when the eyes of our hearts are opened, when we focus on Jesus as the primary focus of our hearts, then we can take confident steps forward into an uncertain future. And so we saw this displayed for us last week as we spent the majority of our time in 1 Samuel 17 in the Old Testament, the account of David in Goliath. And if you remember last week, we talked about how clarity is the result of Jesus becoming the primary focus of our hearts. And that isn't just the big picture truth of last week, but that's really the foundation of this mini-series in a, as a whole. And so if you missed last week for whatever reason, I would highly encourage you, go to YouTube or go to the free Rocky Peak app and watch it, even if you just want to refresh it, because it really sets the foundation for what we're doing today. Because today we're doing a part two, that to say that Jesus is the primary focus of our hearts means that we're going to move forward into an uncertain future, but we're going to do it his way by listening and following to his leadership and in talking about what it looks like to follow after God to do it his way. I love this quote there on your note sheet by Catherine and Jay Wolf from their book Suffer Strong which is one of the best books I read in the last year and they write this when we choose to open our hearts and receive him Jesus on his terms we really begin to know him and when we begin to know him, we more readily open our hearts to receive more of him. The cycle of building trust becomes a holy unraveling of ourselves and a stunning revelation of him. There is simply no shortcut to knowing God. It's not a simple one, two, three steps. Rather, it's a journey of asking, seeking, and knocking, and then finding. Then, doing it all over again in different seasons. Hope for an unknown future has always been found in a known God, Jesus. That's wonderful, isn't it? And so, as we said, the focus of our heart is the key to clarity. And so, as we're going to see today, there are going to be enemies to that focus that are going to rise up. And we're going to need to both identify who these enemies are, and we're going to need Jesus to confront and defeat these enemies so that we can continue to experience the clarity that he brings into our lives. So, there in your note sheet, if you're following along, you've got a section titled The Wounded Brother. What we're going to do today is we're going to go back to 1 Samuel 17, but we're going to dig into a few verses that we skipped over last week. So you've got your Bibles, over them up. You've got your apps, turn them up. Again, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 17. We're going to be starting at verse 23. And as Kelly McCoy said, it's me, Rocky Peak, so get ready to mark up and highlight this passage. So starting at verse 23. As he was talking with them, now this is David. Again, if you're familiar with this account, David has come to deliver supplies to his brother and the soldiers on the front lines. As David was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, would you underline or highlight that? The Philistine champion for Gath. We talked about how this account primarily uses the word champion to describe Goliath. It's painting this picture that he's not this jolly old giant from a kid's story, but he is a warrior, deadly and seemingly unstoppable. Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Would you underline that last part? Great fear. And so this is a quick recap from last week, but we talked about how while Israel had had a prolonged season of suffering when it came to their conflict with 
the Philistine, there was no way anyone could have expected or planned for a Goliath. And the result of this unprecedented turn in this conflict, in the season of suffering, was fear. And we can relate with that, can't we, Rocky Peak? That the last nine, ten months, pretty much the whole of 2020, it raised a lot of different fears in us that we are now carrying into 2021. As we stand today, I feel fear. We feel fear. Many of us are afraid of losing, whether it is losing people or relationships, whether it is afraid of losing a way of life or what was once normal. Many of us are afraid because of what this has raised emotionally, these feelings of not measuring, not being adequate, of not being good enough, what it means not being a good provider because we've struggled financially. For parents, how many of you have felt that you are not a good parent? Because I definitely have. For many of us, we have lost deeply in these last nine or ten months. And the fear that we're carrying into 2021 is this fear of losing more, of losing more of what we've already lost, whatever it is, Rocky Peak. There is no shame in saying we are entering 2021 with fear. Year. And so as we continue, verse 25. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king, that Saul, will give him great wealth, to, will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Verse 26, David asked the man standing, the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? If you were with us last week, I had you underline or highlight that. David is making a big theological statement. Who is this man that does not know that God is the king of kings? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 27, they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. And so again, we talked about this. This is a recap from last week. But what is what has exasperated the situation has been Saul himself. See, Saul was supposed to be their solution. For the people of Israel, because of very real hardships, because of very real fear and anger and suffering that they had experienced, I don't want to minimize that, but they gave into this temptation that trusting God was too hard. So instead, they chose to trust outside side of God for their salvation and that's where Saul became king. They decided that trusting God was not good enough and trusting Saul made much more sense. As you can tell the conditions of their heart, the focus was wrong and the result was they lost clarity. And so what do we see? Saul was completely outmatched, which is what happens whenever we give the leadership of our hearts to anything other than King Jesus. And so Saul knows he's outmatched and so he's trying to put the burden on someone else and he's offering riches and fame and a great life to someone that can solve the problem he was met to. And so now we're going to see David encounter his brother. And so in verse 28, when Eliab, or sometimes pronounced Eliab, 
When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger. Would you underline that? Burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. Would you underline that phrase? And how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Verse 29, now what have I done, said David, can't I even speak? Would you underline or highlight that phrase? Can't I even speak? And so, if you didn't already feel the emotions in this, this is heated, Rocky Peak. Eliab is angry and he is taking significant shots. He is one, trashing David's stature in life and his livelihood. He is calling him a shepherd and he is calling him a poor shepherd. Shepherds were already looked down upon, but he's minimizing, where did you leave those few sheep that you care for? But not only that, he is attacking David's very character. He is saying his heart is wicked and conceited. And again, in scripture, the heart was the control center. It was your absolute identity. So he is basically saying David is an evil human being. David is wicked. Now, as we read this and we experience Eliab's anger, it can be very tempting to write him off as being a jerk. Now hear me, Rocky Peak, he is being a jerk in this situation. But in humility, we actually need to take a step back and we need to understand some of the context for where this is coming from and not def defending or justifying this outburst because it was wrong, but we're gonna realize how relatable what he's feeling is for the moment we find ourselves in. So as we talk about context, Eliab is hurt. He is deeply wounded. And not in a physical sense. The section on your note sheet is titled The Wounded Brother, but the truth of the matter is he's emotionally wounded. Eliab is exhausted, as we talked about last week. He's a soldier. And the Philistines had been a long-term cause of suffering for the nation of Israel. I referred to them last week as being a national nightmare for Israel. There were times in their conflict with the Philistines in which things improved and there was hope that this could be over. And then there were many times in which Israel significantly lost and suffered because of the Philistines. And Goliath was yet another chapter in this prolonged season of suffering and loss. And like I mentioned earlier, Goliath was unprecedented. Haven't we heard that word numerous times over the last nine or ten months? Well, it's the same word we can apply to Goliath. Goliath was unprecedented. They had, he was beyond anything that they knew. And so the 40 days that Goliath came out and remained unchallenged, like we talked about last time, must have felt like an eternity for Israel, must have felt like an eternity for Eliab. And each day likely felt like a further significant defeat. But if we back up in his story a little bit further, we also see that his emotional wounding has come from the fact that God has been unraveling everything that made sense to Eliab. See, Saul had failed. And so the Lord had asked Samuel, the prophet, the namesake of this book, to go and appoint a new king. 
And so as he goes to Eliab's family, to the house of Jesse, we're told that when Samuel first sees Eliab, he goes, well, clearly the next king is likely this guy, right? And this isn't in your note sheet, but this is what God says in 1 Samuel 17. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. In other words, he's reminding the prophet and he's reminding us today that God is not going to do things in a way that makes sense to us because God is always acting for the bigger and the greater good. And so rather than Eliab being anointed the next king, it was David, the youngest brother, the forgotten brother, the brother that made absolutely no sense. And that had to hurt because we've been there, Rocky Peak, likely not in a line expected to be anointed as king, but we've been there that when God unravels or removes the solutions that make sense in our minds. When God takes away the man-made solutions that to us we think are going to bring us clarity, it hurts. And so what we see between these two brothers is a significant contrast. We see that in times when which we are wounded, like we find ourselves now coming out of 2020, beginning a brand new year, we can either, like David, choose to lean into God when it comes to what our heart is focused, or we can choose to be like Eliab and pull away from God. Ultimately, what Eliab is revealing is that Goliath is not the only champion that is standing against him. What Eliab is revealing is that Goliath is the external champion that he can see, but he is revealing that there are two internal champions that are standing against him. The same champions that are standing against us today as we start a brand new year, and they are targeting our hearts. And there in your note sheet, you've got to fill in Rocky Peak. The champions that target our hearts are fear and anger. Eliab's response is rooted in fear and anger. So many of my responses over these last nine to 10 months have been rooted in fear and anger. And I'm willing to bet that many of you would say the same. The truth of the matter is that whatever our heart is focused on is going to determine our ability to see, to experience clarity. And David models that he can see what others can't, not because he is some sort of superhuman, super spiritual, superhero. But as you see on the next fill-in on your note sheet, David's clarity came from a heart focused on Jesus. Again, this is what we began talking about last week. When Jesus is the primary focus of our heart, it changes everything about how we see. And there in your note sheet, I've included a couple of scriptures from 1 Samuel, the same scriptures I included last week, just for you to be able to look at on your own time after this time of teaching that show that David's vision was different because his heart is focused on who God 
is. And that focus transforms the way he sees his enemies. And so Rocky Peak, as we begin a brand new year, they may not be a physical Goliath standing in front of us, but there is an emotional and a spiritual enemy called fear and another one called anger that is standing in our way. And what is going to make the difference between if they are all we see, if they become our focus, or if Jesus or if we receive clarity is going to be whether or not Jesus is the primary focus of our hearts. And we ended our scripture with verse 29. David's response is, can't I even speak? And the reason why I had you underline that is I think it is a warning to us today, Rocky Peak, that often there is a temptation when we face those champions of fear and anger, they can become our primary focus. And when they become our primary focus, that what that means is we are not allowing God to speak into our hearts. And that is a key tactic that the enemy employs, he often works in spiritual warfare through fear and anger because the voice of Jesus our King is the voice that creates. The voice of Jesus our King is the voice that gives and breathes life. The voice of Jesus our King is the voice that brings peace, is the voice that brings hope. It is the voice that strikes down the champions of anger and fear. And when we focus on them rather than focus on his voice, then we don't expect experience his victory. And so as we fight the spiritual fight, it is not on our strength, but it is through hearing his voice in our hearts. And it changes everything. And the beautiful thing is, it seemingly changes Eliab in his future. See, we leave Eliab and Goliath is struck down by the Lord. But we're given a little window into his future as we move on in the Old Testament. In the book of First Chronicles, it's there quickly, but seemingly, it seem, it seemingly Eliab experiences that God-given clarity and a change in his character. Because in First Chronicles 12, we're told that Eliab becomes third in charge of King David's army. So at some point, he not only reconciles himself with his youngest brother, but he comes to bow his knee and serve his youngest brother as king of Israel. Later on in 1 Chronicles 27, he has earned the respect of David enough that David makes him the leader of the entire tribe of Judah. In fact, we're told in 1 Chronicles 15 that he even became a musician like his youngest brother. And so as we look at what happens between now and then, their circumstances didn't change. As we continue the history of the nation of Israel, particularly with the Philistines, as we head into their future, again, Goliath is yet another part of this longer journey. You can make an argument by the time we get to the account in First Chronicles that their circumstances have gotten worse, if not much worse, than where we are today in 1 Samuel 17. So what happened in Eliab? Likely a change of focus. 
that God opened the eyes of his heart and it completely transformed him from the inside out. Again, clarity, a God-given clarity does not come from our circumstances because on this side of heaven, there will always be a champion in our way. But true clarity, an empowering clarity, a hopeful, a grace-filled clarity that comes from Jesus himself comes from focusing on who he is, regardless of the real circumstances we find ourselves in. I like how author, poet, rapper, Jackie Hill Perry put it on her social media just a few days ago. This isn't on your note sheet, but you're gonna see it pop up on the screens. Even if next year is just like this year, I won't be. Even if 2021 doesn't change, I will. What a beautiful declaration of what it means to have a heart in which Jesus is the primary focus. That even if things do not change, and believe me, I'm praying that they do, but even if they do not, Jesus will change me. And amen to that. And so that's our scripture for this week in Rocky Peak. And so in just the time that we have left, what I want to do is I wanna continue to unpack this truth that uncertainty and uncertain future is a prime battleground in which we face fear and anger. And the way that the Lord strikes down those champions is through a heart that's focused on him. In other words, like we talked about last week, a heart that moves deeper into relationship with Jesus the King. And so I wanna talk about two key ways in which we focus our hearts. In other words, in which we deepen this relationship with Jesus in our personal lives. So there in your note sheet, We've got a section titled Reestablishing Our Hearts Focus. And your first fill-in is this. Clarity is experienced through regular encounters with Jesus. Clarity is experienced through regular encounters with Jesus. Again, the heartbeat of this series has been this truth that clarity does not come from a change in our circumstances, but really clarity comes from a change in how we spend our time, or rather a change in who we spend our time with. See, often in the church world, you hear people like me talking about the importance of developing a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus. And we can hear it so much that we can start to become numb to that. Yes, 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 I need to spend one-on-one -on -one time or whatever you wanna call it, a devotional time or, what, or, or this rhythm with Jesus. But we need to take a step back and we need to understand why that is absolutely essential for the state of our heart and our soul. When we develop a one-on-one -on -one rhythm of regularly being before Jesus, our King, what we are doing is we are experiencing the character of Jesus himself in a new, in a deep, and in a powerful way. It's one thing to say with our lips that Jesus is good, that Jesus is powerful, that Jesus brings hope and peace, that Jesus is present. That is all true. It is one thing to 
say it, but it is a far more powerful thing to experience it in a one-on-one relationship with him in a daily station of coming before Jesus and experiencing who he is. And the power in that is that when we regularly encounter Jesus, he becomes much, much bigger than how we had previously seen him. And that is when we receive clarity. Here's the honest truth, Rocky Peak, that often fear and anger appear so massive because they are the ones we spend the most amount of time with. Often fear and anger appear so big, so massive, because we spend the most amount of time with them. But what we've seen throughout these last two weeks in 1 Samuel 17 is that David's model, his example, is that he didn't minimize the danger and the size of Goliath. His attitude was, yes, Goliath is big, but I know the king who far surpasses this champion before me. And when Jesus becomes bigger through regular relationship, his voice becomes louder. His voice, that like I said earlier, creates breathes new life and strikes down the champions of fear and anger. Look there in your note sheet in Matthew chapter 14. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. See, Jesus was operating in a way completely outside their paradigm, and they didn't know how to respond. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Rocky Peak, it is through a regular relationship, a one-on-one rhythm with Jesus, in which we are in a position to hear him daily say this to us. Without rhythm, without a relationship, we will miss this. And don't you think that we need to hear the voice of our king regularly saying, take courage. Take courage. Do not be afraid. Take courage when it comes to this pandemic. Take courage when it comes to local upheaval or national upheaval. Take courage when it comes to these areas of injustice. Take courage when it comes to your real fears, your real hurts, your real anger. Take courage. Do not be afraid because Jesus the King is with you. And when we develop a regular relationship, we hear that. We experience it in the good and when we need it the most. And so how do we begin to develop this? There's a lot of ways we could talk about what it looks like to spend one-on-one time, but rather than doing that, what I want to briefly do is I want to talk about the foundation of that, and that's being intentional. Would you write in your notes or in your journal or in your phone, however you're following along, the word intentional? It's a word that, if you are familiar with me as a teacher, I keep coming back to because it really is the foundation of Jesus being the focus, the primary focus of our hearts. See, what we see throughout Scripture is that circumstances don't change until hearts do. And transformation is the result of intentionality with Jesus, our King. We have all been celebrating a brand new year. We are happy to see 2020 leave, and I am one of those people. But do we understand the truth that just because we are in a brand new year doesn't mean that everything has magically become better? 
Nothing is going to change on its own. For things to change, it is going to require intentionality in any type of relationship. Growth and depth is the result, not of chance, not of happenstance, but it is the result of intentionality. And so if we want to head into this unknown future with a new God-given clarity, it's going to be the result of intentionally developing for the first time, re-envisioning or taking our relationship with Jesus deeper in a new way. And so as I often do when I teach Rocky Peak, I want to ask you to make sure sometime in the next 24 hours that you carve out intentional time before the Lord and you reflect on this question. What's your plan to be intentional? It's one thing to say, yes, in this year, I'm going to spend more time with Jesus. That's a beautiful beginning, but go further. What's your plan to be intentional, to develop a rhythm with Jesus, your King? And practically speaking, a great way to explore what that could look like is with your life group. We were designed to explore this area of growth in community. And so if you're not yet in a life group, I would love to encourage you checking one out for this next session and exploring what that looks like in your life to be intentional in your relationship with Jesus together with other believers. So that's the first way to deepen our focus on him. The second one, the second fill-in is this. Clarity is experienced through a radical authenticity with Jesus. And authenticity is one of our core values as a church. And what that means is that means intentionally going before Jesus and not holding back about how we feel. Being brutally honest about our fears and our anger. And the beauty of this truth is that it's rooted again in scripture. Specifically, one of the greatest examples of this is that this truth is rooted in the Psalms. Again, if you're familiar with me as a teacher, I often go back to the Psalms. And the reason why I'm so drawn to the Psalms is because of how authentic they are. So many Psalms are what we call laments. And in these laments, we experience the cries of these authors as they experience, as they wrestle with fear and anger in their lives. When you turn to the Psalms, you often hear authors crying out to God and saying, why? Why is this happening? God, no, don't let this happen. God, have you forgotten or abandoned me? We hear the author saying, God, I am terrified. Why aren't you changing my situation? You are letting my enemies win. In fact, those authors included David, who wrote a majority of the laments in our Psalms. And yet the Psalms are a book of worship. How can these painful, radically honest cries be worship? Because that authenticity leads to a beautiful clarity. That's what worship is all about, is seeing God in a deeper way. And radically being honest does that. Because it is through our laments that it grows how we see and experience God. It is through our laments that the voice of God removes a wall, a barrier that could keep us from hearing him in deep in our hearts. See, I've often said that these psalm moments can be turning points in our maturity and our growth and our walk with God. And this is something I've experienced to be true many times in my life, Rocky Peak. As I've been Reflecting on this on this last week, the Lord reminded me of a specific time, maybe 11 or 12 years ago. I was out hiking alone, and if I'm honest with you, 
some circumstances I was facing had reached an absolute boiling point and I felt helpless, like everything was falling apart and I was angry. And so because I was by myself, I was passionately talking out loud to God. And very quickly, that passion turned into full-blown yelling. If I'm honest with you, Rocky Peak, I let God have it for about 45 minutes. Finger wagging, raised tone. Why did you let this happen? Have I not been faithful? Why won't you deliver me? Why not, Jesus? And I remember so clearly that at the end of that time, I began weeping, not tears of pain, but tears of joy. I experienced clarity. I looked back on that shouting match and I realized that Jesus allowed me the freedom to be amazingly raw with him because he loves me. And I experienced that in a new way. I realized that I yelled at Jesus because I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was here, he was there in that moment and in that season. And it was in that weeping that I experienced a new clarity. And my circumstances, they didn't change for a long, long time. But I could hear him in my heart in a new way. And my circumstances didn't change, but you better believe my focus did. And it transformed me. And so Rocky Peak, this may sound uncomfortable, but it is essential that in that time I'm asking you to spend before the Lord in the next 24 hours, that as you talk about your intentional plan, I'm challenging you to go before the Lord and talk about what makes you angry. What are the situations or circumstances? Who are the people or people groups? What are the hurts or the injustices that are making you angry? And it's not necessarily because being angry is the wrong response but we find ourselves so angry and we find ourselves angry in so many different places with family or friends or echo chambers or online and yet as Christ followers, it seems like the one place we don't express our anger is before the Lord. And he is the one person suited to help us deal with it in the right way. There in your note sheet, in Ephesians 4, Paul writes that in your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. See, we are free to be honest before the Lord because our clarity is at stake. And it's not wrong necessarily to get angry, but when we do it in the wrong way, without the voice of Jesus guiding and removing and healing us, it can cost us our clarity. So go before the Lord. Feel what you feel and listen to his guiding voice. And so as we wrap things up, I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on out, but I wanna close with this quote that I think is awesome. There at the bottom or on the back of your note sheet, Pastor Louis Gigliot of Atlanta, Georgia, a couple years ago, he wrote a book that I highly recommend called Goliath Must Fall. The entire book is based out of this account in 1 Samuel 17. And to close, this is what he writes. 
that the key to real lasting change, in other words, to experience clarity in our, in our spiritual life, is consistently filling ourselves up with faith. Giants seldom go away quickly. Our invitation is to continually remind ourselves that Jesus has already won. We continually need to link up to what he has done and who he is in us. Then we talk to ourselves like God talks to us. We tell ourselves biblical truths. When we do these things and align ourselves with the plans of God, then little by little things change. When we invite Christ to have full reign and full rule in our hearts. Amen. Let's pray together, Rocky Peak. Jesus, as we step into an uncertain new year, like I prayed at the top, we do so knowing who you are. We don't know what we face ahead of us. We don't know the joys that are ahead of us. We don't know the beauty we have yet to experience. We also don't know the trials or the pain. In fact, there's some of us that only two or three days into a new year, we've already experienced significant fear, significant hurt, or significant anger. Jesus, we don't know what's to come, but again, our prayer is that we know you. And so if we are going to be a people that can tend our ground against the enemy, against the enemies, against fear, against anger, we know that we don't do it on our power, but we do it on yours. And it's through relationship. It's through our hearts being focused on you. And so as we're about to sing, when you tell us to take heart, you're saying dig deeper into me, dig deeper into our relationship, because that is where clarity comes from. And clarity makes all the difference. Thank you for opening the eyes of our hearts. Thank you for the work you're going to do as we spend time with you intentionally over these next 24 hours, over the next days to come, the weeks, the months, and years. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your unending love towards us. And it's in your name, King Jesus, we all said, amen.